Old Testament to the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah. I want to call to your attention some verses in chapter number 8. Nehemiah chapter number 8, verses 1 through 12. Now, I have never been an expert on pronouncing proper names, especially biblical names. I was told, and I have been taught by my superiors, by superiors, those who taught me in school, don't worry too much about it if you mispronounce it, because you can pronounce it most any way you want to. Uh, what's ever easy for you. You're going to find a number of proper names given in verse 4 and also verse number 7. We may just bypass those in the reading. We'll come back to them later. But Nehemiah chapter 8, pardon me, chapter 8 verses 1 through 12. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose. Drop down to verse number 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen. Amen. With lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then there were a number of others that are mentioned here that caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. Verse 8, so they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershethite, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe of the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, 
Send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. We have here a public reading of the Word of God. I believe that God is well pleased when individuals read their Bibles privately. But I also believe that God is honored when the Word of God is read publicly. Moses instructed this to be done. What to be done? To read the Scriptures publicly. Moses instructed this to be done before the Israelites crossed over into Canaan. Keep your marker on Nehemiah 8 and go to Deuteronomy 31, verses 10 through 13. Moses is giving Israel their last moment instructions before another leader will be chosen in his place. And in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verses 10 through 13, and Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, in the solemnity of the year of release, in the Feast of the Tabernacles, when all Israel is come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men, women, children, strangers, that are within thy gates, that they may hear, that they may learn, and that they may fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of this law, and that their children, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land whither you go over Jordan to possess it. Moses was quite articulate before they crossed over Jordan to go into the land of Israel. Joshua, who followed Moses, observed public scripture reading with the Israelites after they came into Canaan. In the book of Joshua, chapter number 8, verses 34 and 35. And afterward he, referring to Joshua, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that's written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel, with the women and the little ones and the strangers, that were conversant among them. And then when you get over to our text, in Nehemiah, chapter number 8, verse number 3, and Ezra read all, or read therein, before the street that was before the water gate, 
from the morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive under the book of the law. Now Ezra practiced that after Nehemiah, or pardon me, Nebuchadnezzar had led the Babylonian enemy uh, uh, soldiers into Jerusalem, destroyed the city, but Ezra practiced that. And it is recorded here by Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 3. Seventy years earlier, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian armies invaded Jerusalem. They destroyed the city and the holy temple of God. There were three invasions that Nebuchadnezzar directed on Jerusalem. Number one happened in 605 B.C. He hit the city again in 597 B.C. And finally he brought in the final assault on Jerusalem in 586 B.C. And they took 50,000 Jews 800 miles away into Babylonian captivity. No longer could these Jews worship God. No longer could they observe the Sabbath. No longer could they read the Scriptures. No longer could they sacrifice unto the Lord. Listen, no longer could they sing praises as you have done today. No longer could they live with their families. The families were divided. They were shut up and cut off for 70 long years. They were physically worn, emotionally shot, and spiritually starved. Now when Cyrus became king of Persia, he defeated Babylon and released the Jews to go back home to Jerusalem after 70 years of captivity. And that's the little book of Ezra, chapter 1. You read that account. Ezra, chapter 1. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, He made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, what was the message? Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, that is to rebuild the house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. And one other verse in chapter 2 of Ezra. Now these are the children of the province that went up out of captivity of those which had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, 
had carried away into Babylon and came again unto Jerusalem and Judah, every one to his own city. Now when they came back after 70 years of captivity, they found a land completely destroyed and decimated by the enemy. There were many things that these Jews were going to have to do. Number one, the temple would have to be rebuilt. Do you understand that it took Solomon seven and one half years to build the temple of God? Now it had been torn asunder and the Jews were faced with having to rebuild that temple once again. Not only that, but the city walls that protected the city, they would have to be rebuilt again. And then a city government would have to be installed to keep law and order among the people. However... The first thing they wanted to do was to hear the reading of the Word of God. Before a hammer was ever lifted, before a nail or a peg was ever driven, they said, we want to hear the reading of God's Word. Hadn't heard it read for 70 years. I believe there's some Baptists that wouldn't miss it. And it's been 70 years when some Baptists have read the Word of God. Ought to read it every day. During their absence, they had come to realize how important the Scriptures are to the believer. That's what I'm endeavoring to speak to you about this morning. The believer and the Scriptures. The believer and God's Word. The believer and the Bible. Without the Bible, there's no bread to eat. There is no milk to drink and there's no meat on which to grow. The Bible is the number one best seller. Yet the most neglected book in all the world. In this message today, I want to emphasize the importance of the Word of God in relationship to the believer. Number one, what we have here in the reference that we've just read from Nehemiah chapter number 8, we have a hunger for the Word. A hunger for the Word. Look at verse 1. All the people gathered themselves together as they as one man in the street that was before the water gate, and they spake to Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. It was a simultaneous gathering prompted by a common need. They all had the same need, and they gathered in response to that. A simultaneous gathering prompted by a common need. It's like going to a restaurant after the church service. And if your preacher preached a little bit too long, you may have to wait an extra hour because everybody goes to the restaurant. Have you ever wondered why that is? Because people are hungry. 
And when you get hungry, you go to the restaurant if you're not going to cook at home. You go where there's food. The people here were gathering because they had a common need. The Bible says all the people gathered themselves together. They didn't have a campaign where certain members of the church went out and knocked on the door and said, we've come to arrest you and take you to the house of God. No, they all decided we've got to get to church. Just like folks said, we've got to get to the restaurant. Why? Because I'm hungry. There was a tremendous need there. They did not have an 8 o'clock a.m. service and an 11 o'clock a.m. service. I'm sorry if that disappoints you. They did not have a contemporary service and a worship service. They had a service to keep their mouth shut and to hear somebody with authority read the word of God. All the people gathered themselves together. They were hungry. Churches today operate on a shift of tendons. I've been preaching that in this church for 40 some years and it hadn't taken yet. Churches today operate on a shift of tendons. Some come on the first Sunday. Another group comes on the second Sunday. And another group comes on the third Sunday. If they all showed up at the same time, there'd just probably not be enough room to sit everybody. It's almost like the church gets together and has a secret meeting. The pastor's not invited. And they decided who's going to be on the first shift and who's going to be on the second shift and who's going to be on the third. Folk, that's so. That's true in this church. And it breaks my heart because it is. We need a hunger for the Word of God. The reason some members are so lazy in attendance, I fully believe this, is because they're not hungry. Why do you think people are looking forward to football season beginning soon? And the stadiums all across our nation will be packed to capacity. You know why? The people are hungry for that. And if people in Tyler, Texas ever really get hungry for the Word of God, they'll pack the churches out. Not because they have special gospel groups of singers to come in or special gospel preachers to come in, but because they're hungry for the Word of God. Why people are hungry. My, my. Second of all, it was a unified gathering because they all wanted the same thing. It says they gathered as one man. There were a lot of those people there. I mean, hundreds and thousands there. But they gathered as one man. They had a common need. And they said, bring the book of the law of Moses. Bring the book of the law of Moses. Today in many churches, the gospel is being marketed to attract certain groups of people. 
Some attend the divorcee's church. Some attend the cowboy's church. Some attend the traditional church. Some attend the contemporary church. Some are even looking for a homosexual church. You're welcome. It is a sin to change the menu to suit the congregation. We all need the same thing, preacher and people alike. We need the Word of God. We need to hear God's Word. Catholics go to church, should go to church to hear the, the Word of God. Episcopalians need to hear the Word of God. Episcopalians need that more than they need the prayer book. Many visitors are looking for a particular program in the church when they should be looking to hear the Word of God. What does God have to say? Thirdly, everybody needs the same thing. The men, the women, notice this. And the ch- they didn't have children's church. I've had folks say, well, we just don't come to your church. Do you do have children's church? I sit right in the auditorium, we do. We put the children with everybody else. Why? Because the children need the same thing adults need. The Word of God. There was a time before some of you folks were ever born. Let me tell you this. When old time revival meetings, and I were, I would been in those meetings before, when the husband and the wife and all twelve kids come in at the same time and sit on the same pew, and parents knew how to keep their kids quiet in the house of God. You can play outside, but you don't play in church. We've come to hear God's word. And we're raising a generation of young people today that'll never see that. And they'll never know that. Everybody needs the same thing. The men, the women, the children, and strangers, that'd be visitors. First Peter 2, 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Our Lord said in John 6, 63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Paul rebuked the believers at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3, 2. I have fed you with milk, not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. Secondly, the first point being they had a hunger for the Word of God. They had a hearing for the Word of God. A hearing for the Word of God. Look at verses 2 and 3. Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both the men and the women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people 
were attentive unto the word of God. It was a lengthy reading. Read from morning, actually, Mr. Gill says, their morning started at sunup. They didn't lay in bed to nine, ten o'clock in the morning and decide they might get up by 11. No, if the sun's up, it's time to get up. That Ezra began to read at six o'clock in the morning, he's still reading God's word at 12 noon. I believe, mathematically understanding, that's about six straight hours of reading the scripture. I believe in having special speakers. I believe it's good if this pastor of this church, if I know of some preacher has a real message on his heart that our church needs to hear, I think it's good to have special speakers. But I tell you, there's something more important than special speakers. It's the Word of God. It's going to be read. And don't you dare miss it. A hearing of the word. It was a lengthy reading. It was a listened to reading. The Bible says the ears of all the people were attentive. Aren't you glad they didn't have cell phones? Listening is as important as reading. Listening is as important as you can read and never hear a thing. You've got to pay attention to what you are reading and listen because God speaks through His Word today as He's always spoken through His Word. In the Old Testament, He spoke audibly. People could hear with the ear what God said. Moses' ears heard the voice of God speak. I do not believe that God speaks audibly today, but He's given us His Word. And if you read your Bible and study your Bible, you'll be surprised to some things God's been trying to tell you for a long time. Is that okay? Samuel, as a small child, was promised to the Lord by his mother Hannah. She couldn't have any children. God changed that pretty quick. And she gave birth to Samuel and she took him and dedicated him to the house of God and introduced him to Eli the priest. And Eli said, I'll take good care of this boy. And about nine o'clock at night when Eli had been to sleep for a while, here comes Samuel running into the room. He said, wake up. What would you call me for? Eli said, I didn't call you, son. Go back to sleep. Maybe he just had a bad dream. And he went back, and it wasn't long until the Lord spoke to Samuel the second time. And Samuel went back to Eli and woke Eli up. He said, did you call me? He said, son, I didn't call you. He did that three times. And finally said, listen, if you hear that voice again, it's not me. You say, speak, Lord, for thy servant Heareth. And on that fourth time, God Almighty revealed to that child Samuel what he was going to do to the Israelites 
to punish them for their sin. You read all about that. Don't have time for the scripture. I give you the reference. It's 1 Samuel chapter 3. Read that whole third chapter. It's interesting. I ask myself the question, do I listen when God's word is read? If I hear some preacher reading it over the uh, television set, or through a CD, or through means of a, a transcribed message or something, do I, do I listen to what it's saying? Do we pay attention to what it's saying? Most likely, if I said next Sunday morning, we have a guest speaker coming. Now, you do understand this is an illustration, and every illustration limps. And this one's paralyzed. Next Sunday morning, our main speaker is going to be John MacArthur. How about that? I want to tell you, before John ever gets here, this place be packed out. You say, well, where are all these people? Why are they here? They come to hear John MacArthur. And there's nothing wrong with listening to John MacArthur. I have most every book he's ever written. And he preaches and teaches the Word. But don't you understand? If I also made this statement to you, be here next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock because we're going to do nothing but just read the Word of God for two hours. You may have a baker's dozen to best show up. About, about all you're going to have, huh? Isn't that, isn't that right? What are we going to do this month? Oh, just preacher, just going to read the scripture. What better thing could I do? You tell me. I, I'll be your student. You tell me. What better thing than to hear the word of God? Hearing of the word. Thirdly, an honor for the word. Verses 4 through 6. I knew we'd get back to these names. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood. Now Mr. Gill describes that pulpit of wood as a tower of wood. Not so much like a small platform like this one is with a speaker's stand, but a tower that exceeded higher than the level of the people that, was, that were being spoken to. And it was a, a big, big constructed thing that, that called attention to the reading of God's Word. And they were paying honor for that. The Word was exalted. A pulpit of wood. Some churches have the baptismal font or the communion table in the middle of the platform where the preacher stands. You're not going to find that here because our emphasis is not on the baptismal font. Our emphasis is on the preaching of the Word of God. It is center stage. And that's the way it should be. And honor for the Word. And what happened to the people in verse number 5? Incidentally, uh, these folks' names mentioned in verse 4 they, was Ezra, they were Ezra's staff. He had a staff of 13 men, he being the 14th one. And you don't understand this until you 
experience it, but may I say that many, many times, if you get up and preach for six hours, you're going to be a little tired before you get through or to read that long. And these men were some on one side of him and others on the other side of him to help him and to encourage him and to strengthen him. And in verse number 5, the people rose up out of respect. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and when he opened it, he didn't have to say, let's all stand. They stood for the reading of God's word. That's respect for it. Honor for it. When the star-spangled banner was being played for one professional football team, one dumb idiot decided he would just squat down and refuse to stand. Let me tell you something, my dear friend. I believe you ought to stand for the star-spangled banner. I believe you ought to stand for the reading of God's Word. It's not like Aesop's fables... It is the most valuable book that's ever been published in the world. People rose up. God was speaking. It was an emotional time for the people. Look at verse number 6. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. (laughs) Would you indulge me? Let me enjoy this a little bit. And all the people answered, Amen. And in case you didn't hear it the first time, they repeated, Amen! With lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads, and they worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Some preachers said that saying Amen is like saying sick them to a bulldog. Now, I know we have so few of that in this church because you don't want me to preach any longer than I usually preach, and I preach long enough. And some just don't say amen. They just say, oh, me, and they can get up and go home. That's okay. It was an emotional time for the people. I noticed people get all excited at a football game. Don't they? They get emotional to tears at a movie. Seeing people come out of the cinema. Used to call them picture show when I was a kid. That's what they did. You go to picture show. So what did they do at the picture show? They showed pictures. The picture show. Now it's the cinema. If it's not the cinema, it's something else. But I've seen folks come out of a cinema and they're wiping their tears. That was. And you want to go up and say, it was that bad? Bad, bad. That's the best movie I've ever seen. Huh? But yet they come to church and sit dead pan as God's word is being read. I'll be through pretty soon. Mr. Job said in chapter 23 of his book, verse 12, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. 
Number four, there was a handling of the Word of God. Verses 7 and 8. The Bible says, And Jeshua, and Bani, and Sherebiah, these were teachers of God's Word. They were Levites. They had the responsibility of taking the Scripture and telling the people what the Scriptures meant. And there were a number of them here, 13 teachers plus the Levites. And notice as they begin to teach with Ezra what the Scriptures meant, that the people stood in their place. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. All of the Sunday school teachers were in their place. They began to read it and explain it to the people. The teachers were all present and the class members stood in their place. The word was read distinctly. They read in the book of the law of God distinctly. Distinctly. I have problems with operators on the telephone that don't know how to speak distinctly. And when they get through, you say, say what? You say, well, that must be a foreigner. That's what they know. They was born here in America just like you were. They just didn't learn how to read. Huh? Hey, we're teaching a generation of kids today. They're not going to learn how to read. They're too busy involved in culture. Huh? And half of them don't know whether they're boys or girls. Read the Word of God distinctly. Which means you ought to have a little volume when you read the Word of God publicly. Turn the volume up so that those to whom you are speaking can hear the Word of God and say the words distinctly. And they gave the meaning of the Word of God. I believe every preacher and teacher of God's Word should hear themselves on tape. They should also stand in front of a mirror and watch themselves as they read. The Word must be communicated if it is to be understood. And if you don't hear it, my dear friends, you're not going to get much out of the service. And therefore, it's up to the speaker or those who are in charge of teaching to say distinctly what the Bible teaches so people can hear it and understand it. Might I just add this? Don't be guilty of proof text reading. Don't be guilty of trying to force the Bible to say what it is not saying. 2 Timothy 2.15 study to show thyself Approved under God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 
And finally, there was a heeding of the word in verses 9 and 10. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershathite, or that's the governor, the Ezra, the priest, the scribe, the Levites that taught the people, said unto the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard, my, my, when they heard the words of the law. My dear friends, if the words of the law would bring such a response, how much more the words of grace, grace, should bring a response as well. A handling of the word of God. They read it in verse number 7. The word was read distinctly. The meaning of the word was given. And then they began to heed what they had heard. In verse number 9, the people mourned because they had broken the law of God. For 70 years they'd been without preaching, without the Bible, without the Scripture as we know it to be referred to as the Bible. They applied the Word of God to their own hearts. Reading is useless without application. Would you agree to that? Reading is useless without application. Doctrine alone will make a robot out of you. Practice is needed as well as reading. The people rejoiced because they had been forgiven. Verse number 10. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. This is where we get our strength from. The joy of the Lord can only be interrupted by sin. Not circumstance, but by sin. Every believer and every church needs a steady diet of the Word of God. Let me close with one verse, number 18, for the study. Verse 18 says, Also day by day, from the first day unto the last day, he read in the book of the law of God. And they kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according unto the manner. They were to do this special kind of reading at the Feast of the Tabernacles, and it lasted for seven days. It wasn't just coming to church on Sunday morning. They came and stayed there for a solid week with this type of a menu. I cannot read that. It says they kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according to them. What a revival meeting that must have been. What a Bible conference. We have a clear teaching of the Bible, of the relationship between the believer and the Word of God. May God cause us to slow down long enough to take some time and read this book and to study this book. It has been my calling 
And it's best I know how I've tried to emphasize this for many, many years. I have but one book to preach. That's the Word of God. And when I preach it, I want you to follow along in it and see whether I'm fudging or not. See whether I'm just making it up or not. Or can you leave and say, you know what, we check the scriptures to see whether Brother Kozart was right or not. That's so important. So good to have you in church today. And I hope it's been a good experience for you. Let's stand, please, for prayer.